0: want to go back tonight to chapter 2 and 3. We've been preaching on what John saw in this great revelation. And remember, he saw the book, God's divine plan. And then he saw the beloved, God's divine person. But then he saw the bride, God's divine people. And I love just following the bride, the people of God, through the book of the revelation, the church. And as I said this morning, he saw the church delivered. He saw it raptured out of this world. He saw the church delighted. He saw the church decorated. He saw the church dressed. And I'm glad finally you see the church and the holy city that John saw coming down uh, out of God from heaven. But I want to go tonight, maybe another service, to chapters 2 and 3 and look at the church age where John sees the church from the time it is birthed in Holy Ghost power at Pentecost to those last days of apostasy right before the church is called out. And I don't want to bog down here and preach on these seven churches and take seven years to do that. But it is a wonderful picture of the church age From the church's beginning to the church's battle to the church's taken out of the way. But I want to look at it tonight and maybe another service from a uh, spiritual standpoint. And I believe it's a good picture uh, of the church age. And I want you to notice tonight in chapter number 2 how the church began. And I want you to notice tonight the position of the Lord or where the Lord is in this picture of the church. Look in chapter number two, Revelation 9, and verse one, under the angel of the church at Ephesus, write these things, saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand. And I want you to say this little phrase out loud with me who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Now, he used that analogy for the church, a candlestick. Now, what does the church and a candlestick have in common? Well, a candlestick is not the light, but it holds up the light. Now, the church, we hold up the light. The light of Jesus Christ. The light of the Holy Spirit. The light of the Word of God. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. The Holy Spirit is called, not the spirit of darkness, but the spirit of light. And over and over again, the Bible talks about the light of the glorious gospel. We're not the Savior, we're not the remedy, we're not the antidote, but we lift up the Savior. We lift up the antidote, we lift up the answer to this world's problem. And so we are, the church, are those seven candlesticks that hold up and give forth the light. And notice in our text tonight, in chapter 2, verse 1, the position of the Lord, the presence of the Lord. Where is God in the midst of the churches that are standing and holding up the light? It says that He is walking in the midst. He is walking in the midst of those that are holding forth the light. And let me just say tonight, anytime the Lord's in the midst, salvation will be in the midst, revival will be in the midst, victory will be in the midst, blessings will be in the midst, light will be in the midst, truth will be in the midst, joy will be in the midst. And that word midst is an old English word that means right smack dab in the middle. And if you'll study that little word in the Bible, it's always associated with the presence of the Lord. Psalm 46 said, God is in the midst of her. The Bible said, the fourth man in the fire was walking in the midst of the flame. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. And even John, when he saw the Lord, and we'll look at that in some days to come. And he saw the throne, and he saw all the things of heaven. And he said, standing there in the midst was the Lamb of God having been slain from the foundation of the world. I'm glad he's in the midst. He's right smack dab in the middle. It all hinges around the Lord Jesus Christ. And brother, on the day of Pentecost, when the church was birthed in Holy Ghost wind and Holy Ghost fire. And by the way, I want you to notice how nervous that makes me to talk about Holy Ghost wind and Holy Ghost fire. That don't make me nervous at all. Bless God, I believe in Holy Ghost wind and Holy Ghost fire. Brother, let the wind blow and let the fire burn. I say, breathe on me and burn me up. I love it. And when on the day of Pentecost, God was among his people, he was walking in the midst, and that was the Holy Ghost wind and the Holy Ghost fire. And I believe tonight the answer to this world's problem, the church needs Holy Ghost wind and Holy Ghost fire. We just need him to walk in the midst. And the beginning in this church at Ephesus. And you go through these seven churches. And it's a picture of the church age. From the time of his birth and Holy Ghost, wind and fire. He's walking in the midst. But I want you to come tonight to the end of chapter number 3. I believe where we are living dispensationally, spiritually, prophetically right now. Because, you know... The rapture ain't take place. The rapture hasn't taken place yet. But I do believe we're on the threshold. So I believe chapter number 3, toward the end of it, is where we're at right now. The days right before the rapture. The days right before the coming of the Lord. And I want you to look at what it says in verse, chapter 3, verse 16. In fact, let's just go back up to verse 15. Now this is at the end of the church age. I know thy works. That thou art neither hot or neither cold or hot. I would that were hot or cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, neither cold or hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Now, God is not talking to sinners, He's not talking to drunkards, He's not talking to abortionists, He's not talking to perverts, He's talking to that same group of people. That he had been walking in the midst of their candlesticks. He had been baptizing them. And Holy Ghost wind and fire. And the power of God. The blessings of God was there. He's walking in the midst. And he's saying to that same group of people. The church. At a different age. I will spew thee out of my mouth. Now I want you to come down to verse number 20. Now, remember chapter 2, verse 1, where he's at, his position. He is walking in the midst of the candlesticks. God's all up in there with them. But by the time you come to chapter 3, at the end of the church age, verse 20, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Now, if you use that verse in your soul winning and you use that verse in your gospel preaching, you can, you can apply that verse. But the literal interpretation of 3.20 It's not you and I talking to a sinner about being saved and letting Jesus come into his heart. He is not talking to fornicators. He's not talking to drunkards. He's not talking to perverts. He's talking to the church. The same group of people that he had baptized in Holy Ghost wind and Holy Ghost fire. The same group of people that he starts out walking in the midst of the candlesticks. By the time you get To the end of the church age, right before the rapture, something's changed. Something has happened. Because the Lord that was walking in the midst, not only is he not walking, not only is he not in the midst, uh, according to verse 20, he's standing outside. He is standing outside of His church. Now, I won't tell you something. That's pretty much a picture of the way this world has gone. From Him walking in the midst, blessing and moving and power. The standing outside of His own church. Now, I read through these two chapters and I looked at this church age. And what could cause the Lord to go from walking in the midst to standing outside? Well, let let me say it like this. What could cause the great wind to quit blowing and all of a sudden there's a calm? Or what could cause the great fire that was burning to be snuffed out? What would cause the mighty river that was flowing to come down to nothing more than a trickle? How can the body of Christ, the church in this world, go from turning the world upside down through Holy Ghost wind and power to be in the laughing stock and the off-scouring of society? How does the church go from being respected and revered to losing its shine and losing its voice and losing its influence? Let me just say to you tonight, America as a whole. Now, when I say church, I'm not referring to necessarily Harvest Baptist Tabernacle or People's Baptist Church or whatever church. I'm talking about the church as a whole. People who claim to be Christians, who claim to be a part of the church. I don't know if you've been keeping up with it lately, but Christianity, the church as a whole, has lost its influence in America. Pretty much has lost its savor. I believe that's what Jesus was hitting at. We preached on other Sunday night about that salt. When it loses its savor, when it loses its punch, it's cast out and trodden under the foot of men. And I believe that Christianity, the church as a whole, has lost its voice, its power, its influence in this world. I, I read in history the other day that right after we won the Revolutionary War, that a man came over from France to try to discover how a little handful of merchants and farmers and preachers could whoop the British Empire. Outmanned, outpowered, out how can a handful of mountain climbers and bushwhackers and lizard thickers and everything else beat the British Empire? You don't even have an organized army. And you got some gray-headed dude running around George Washington crossing the river in the freezing cold. I don't know why he didn't call the Weather Channel and check all that out before he started that. Now, there are some churches I could have said that in and not have got an amen, but you folks are smart. But he came over here to see how just a little group of people could literally, and you think about what our forefathers done. I mean, whooped the British Empire. And then several years down the road, they tried it again, and we whooped them again. Now, me and Brother Brian McBride are friends, but we got in a ferocious argument the other day, and if we hadn't been such good friends, I would have whooped him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But I was telling my Yankee, j- my, my Yankee jokes, and I, I can't help it. I love to pick on Yankees. But boy, he got me. He got up and said, old brother Joe talks about us Yankees. He said, Hey, hey Joe, do you know what up in Michigan, do you know what we call Georgia? I said, What? He said, Conquered territory. Barry, you quit laughing. And 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 but and I told some of my friends the other day from England, I said, I'm sorry, but we whooped y'all twice. And you th- and that man from France, came, brother Don, came over here to see what was so great about this young strap of a nation that could break the the whoop the British Empire. And that man said, "I went to the factories, I went to the farms, I went to their halls of government." He said, "I went everywhere there was to go, and I could not discover the secret." Of America's greatness, then he said, "All of a sudden, somebody invited me to go here, a Baptist preacher downtown Philadelphia." And he said, "And when I left that church, now this is what this man said. He said it dawned on me the secret of America's greatness." was not in the field, it was not in the factories, it was not in the farms, it was not in the halls of government. He said the secret of America's greatness was in the church. He made this statement, he said America is great because America is good. And he said, and if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. You see, back then we knew the difference between a man and a woman. Back then we knew the difference between a child and a piece of tissue. Hello? Hello? Back then, we had a sense of morality because the church was thundering out the word of the Lord. And the church had power and the church had influence. Study your declaration of independence. Look at those men that signed that document. Most of them were Christians and a lot of them were old-fashioned preachers of the gospel. Have you ever noticed how much the order of a Baptist church or actually the United States government mirrors the order of a Baptist church? They didn't just come up that on their own. The church had influence and revival. Now some of us in this room, actually some of you in this room remember World War II. And you remember at the end of that war, God sent revival from Maryland to Florida, up to Texas and Tennessee and up through the southeastern United States. I got in on the tail end of that where God, the flame of fire was a burning. I've heard them old timers talk about having revival and so many people in the building, you couldn't get them in the building. And on Sundays, have the baptizing and been the traffic be backed up for miles being baptized in the river. People getting saved on the job. Beer joints closing down. Schools canceling sports events. (laughs) Schools counting sports events. We can't even get the church to cancel sports events, much less the school. By the way, you do know America's new God is ball. Whatever kind of will want to make it. And the church had influence. He's walking in the midst of the candlesticks. But I believe you'll have to agree with Brother Joe tonight. The spiritual temperature of our nation. And it looks like he's no longer walking in the midst. But he's standing outside the door of his own church. And I'm wondering tonight. How do you go from the Lord walking in the midst. To standing outside of your church. And you're not even allowed in the place you bought and paid for with your blood. And I began to look at some of these churches. And I won't go through all of it, but God showed me five things. In these seven churches, only two of them seemed to pass the test. That second church, that church at Smyrna, the persecuted church. And the church at Philadelphia, the sixth church, the church of revival, the church of brotherly love. But the other five churches, man, the Lord lays an indictment upon them. And I want to say if any religious group of people have these things in their midst, you can just count on it. He's going to go from walking inside in blessing just standing outside and withdrawn his power, his breath, his revival. Can you imagine the church that he bought and paid for being so despicable that he spews it out of his mouth? Let me ask you this can you imagine so much sin in the church that he wouldn't even attend the services? How many believe it's always better when the big preacher shows up? Man, I've seen what I can do. I've seen what my friends can do. And I got some good friends. In fact, I got some friends that are legends. If you don't believe it, they'll tell you all about their legendary acts. I mean, they got it. I don't know how the Lord function without them. I don't know what generations did before they arrived to honor them with their gifts and their presence, And that's why the Lord is standing outside sick to his stomach because of the religious profundity and pride that's taken over in the religious world. I don't know about you tonight, but I don't want to be spewed out of the mouth of God. I don't want him standing outside. I want to walk with him in the midst of the candlesticks and feel the wind and feel the fire and feel the breath. But I saw five things real quickly prevalent in these churches. And I believe it got him from inside to outside. Chapter number 2, verse number 4, it simply says they left their first love. They didn't lose their first love, they left their first love. I got wrote down right here, they got over the wonder of it all. Anybody remember when you first met your sweetheart, your wife or your husband, how you were enthralled, and I mean it was just you went to pick her up, you knew you you knew she wasn't gonna be ready. Nothing changed. And her mother comes out there and says, she ain't ready yet. And you go, it hey, don't bother me. None. I just want to be near her and smell her. And she comes through the house getting ready. You remember that excitement? And so I've never felt that. Well, I feel sorry for you. It feels good. And how two people can... Get at odds. That used to be love birds. They used to have a deep affection one for another and respect one for another and drift apart. That happens all the time. And I believe a lot of people, they get over the wonder of it all. The thrill of being saved and the thrill of going to heaven and the thrill of missing hell. Honey. It's still wonderful, it's still good, it's still real, it's still exciting. And Don't ever just take it for granted. God saved us. God loves us. God's been good to us. Don't take Him for granted. Don't leave your first love. Stay close to the Lord. Stay on fire for God. Keep loving on the Lord. Don't drift too far from the shore. They left their first love. They took too much for granted. They got over the wonder of it all. Chapter number 2, verse number 13. Bad doctrine. Bad doctrine. They allowed people to come in that sowed the seeds A bad doctrine. Now listen to your preacher tonight. God's Holy Ghost, wind and fire, is not going to hang around where bad doctrine is being propagated. The Bible is the truth. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And is not going to move and bless where there is bad doctrine. Unsound teaching, unscriptural teaching, unscriptural preaching. Ladies and gentlemen, God is not going to inspire and write the Word and then turn His back upon it. And on day something tonight, there's a famine in our land of preaching the pure truth of the Word of the living God. Ladies and gentlemen, when you have preachers that get in pulpits all across America and say that reading the Bible is not important, do what? When preachers get in pulpits across America and say there's no real place called hell, it's just a bad state of mind, you got problems. And when you got Baptist preachers, all over this country saying that the blood of Jesus is not imported, just as long as he died. The power is not in the blood. Ladies and gentlemen, we have problems. I want to emphasize what can wash away my sin, nothing but the blood of Jesus. When you got denominations that seventy five percent of their preachers don't believe in the bodily resurrection of Christ. If Christ be not risen from the dead, our faith is in vain. And son, here's the one that boils my blood. For a preacher to get up and say there's errors in the Bible and there's contradictions in the Bible and there's parts of the Bible that's not true. If I believe that, I'd quit preaching and make me an honest living. You say, what do you mean honest living? A preacher who stands up and says the Bible is not the perfect word of God is a crook. He's a shyster. He's taking his money crooked. He is a wolf in sheep's clothing. He ain't going to hang around, man, where that bad doctrine is preached. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible, it's true. The Holy Ghost is still real. And Jesus Christ always has been and always will be the sinless Son of God Almighty. Hallelujah. The King of kings. The Lord of lords. And salvation is real and it's through the blood of Christ. We serve a risen Savior. And that bad doctrine will cause him to go from being inside to outside. Chapter number 2 and verse number 20, deception in church leadership. When those who leave the church are not real and genuine, you're going to have apostasy. And I don't want to say too much here and give the devil too much credit. Ladies and gentlemen, no wonder the salt has lost its savor in America. Houston, you know you got trouble when a church has to change its constitution to vote in a man that's disqualified to be the pastor. That's trouble. Ladies and gentlemen, it is no wonder that the church has lost its salt and its savor when you pick up the newspaper and this religious leader has been arrested for molesting girls or molesting boys or molesting children. By the way, the world lumps us all together. And the world says all in bunch of fakes and all a bunch of phonies because there is a lot of deception among religious leaders. And I'm trying to get done, but can I run a rabbit? If if I promise you I don't run it long, can I run a rabbit? I want to say this, and 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 uh, boys, get, get a close up of my face. <clears throat> If you're watching this program or if you're here in person, send money now. Now, if you're watching this program or you're here in person and you are messed up mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Because somewhere in your life or in your past, a singer or a preacher or a deacon or a pastor or some religious leader done you up, done you wrong, done you in. Get over it. Well, Brother Joel, haven't you met people in religious circles that were deceptive? They were not what they were supposed to be? Absolutely. But here's my deal. I met enough real to let me know that God is real. If I wasn't out of breath tonight, I'd run Listen to me, I saw enough real in my mama and my daddy to make up for any hypocrite. And my sisters are going to be watching this. And girls, listen to me. I know some of you made some bad choices. We've talked about it and you got out of church for a little while. But I want to say this to my sisters. What I appreciate so much about you, when you made a mistake and you did something wrong, I am so thankful you didn't whine and run that mouth and blame our mama and blame our daddy. I appreciate you saying I made that choice. I did that. Mama and daddy was real. By the way, it wouldn't have done them any good to blame mama and blame daddy because they knew better because daddy was real and mama was real. Yeah, there were some hypocrites in daddy's church and there were some people in daddy's church that wasn't right. Yeah, we saw all of that, but mama was real and daddy was real and some of them saints of God was real too. You young boys look up in here now. I know there's been some people that come through this church that disappointed you, disappointed me, disappointed all of us, what, what they claim to be. But wait a minute. What about every one of them saints, Brother Matt, that's trod through here. That was everything they claimed to be. And a thousand percent on top of that. Hallelujah. Get your eyes off the hypocrites. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And let's stay the course and shout the victory. Hey. I know there are deceivers. I know there are people that ain't what they claim to be, but there's a bunch of people that are. And I refuse to break fellowship with the church of Jesus Christ over somebody that ain't right. I wonder if there's any doctors that ain't right. I wonder if there's any lawyers that ain't right. I know one. I wonder if there's any mechanics that's not right, bankers that's not right. I'm sure everybody that works at Cracker Barrel ain't a Christian, but I like them chicken fingers. I'm sure everybody that makes Krispy Kreme may not be a real true person or a real Christian or something, but whoo. I've been restraining lately. I've been holding back. won't want so bad right now. I can't hardly stand it. But, ladies and gentlemen, if if I can go shopping where there's are hypocrites, and I can go eat where they're hypocrites, and I can live in a neighborhood where they're hypocrites, I think I can go to church with a few of them. I told a young man not long ago, I said, "All right, son, you won't go to church because all them hypocrites you saw in your daddy's church. I'm gonna put it to you like this, Bubba: you can go to church with them, or you can go to hell with them. Can I make that any more plain?" You can go to church with them or you can go to hell with them. I'm not going to hell by God's grace for anybody or with anybody. Well, what about them ain't right? What about them that are right? Glory. And I'm so sorry, I am so sorry that there have been Sunday school teachers and deacons and preachers and pastors and gospel singers that said one thing and lived another thing and their life did not match up what they said. I know that, but that's wheat among the tares in every area of life. But I just want to say Mary Cron, I've met enough of old fashioned, blood washed, whoop, Holy Ghost children of God that lived on of the spout where the glory ran out that honored God with their life and lifted up God in their life. I'm going to stay with the ship. Glory. Hallelujah. I'm about to preach myself out of a tizzy. God is good tonight. Man. And I left the first love, bad doctrine, deception, and leadership. Chapter 3, I got to hurry. Chapter 3, verse 1 Deadness in the church, a dryness in the church. He told that church at Smyrna, he said, you got a name that you live, you just dead. I going to ask you this. If we serve the living God, and we serve the living Savior, and we have the living book, and we have the life of God, and the spirit of Life. There's too much life in the life of the Christian to fool around with deadness. Man, we don't have to be dead. We got a living Savior. We got a living Holy Ghost. We got a living book. We got a living blood. We serve the living God. Deadness has no place in the house of the Lord. God's church, God's people, God's salvation, God's revival, honey. It's a lie. And God said in the last day, they'll have a form of godliness. But they'll deny the power thereof. I don't like to be around something dead. And I don't think the Lord does either. There's no reason for deadness. Let's be alive. And then number five. Because I ain't got to my juicy point yet. Number five. Lukewarmness. Apathy. Neither hot or cold. One foot in the world. One foot in the church. And wondering where the power of the Holy Ghost is. Just settling down for whatever. Taking too much for granted. And just... Lukewarm. Go through the motions. but Ladies and gentlemen, if we just go through the motions and we're lukewarm, God said, that makes me sick. God said, I want to spew that out of my mouth. But by the time you get to the end of the church age, all of these things have come together. And our precious, wonderful Lord Jesus has gone from walking in the midst of the candlesticks Just standing outside of his own church. You say, what a bleak picture. Well, there's one thing about my preaching. You'll have to agree. I may get it bleak. I may get it bad. I may get it on the end. But if you'll give me some time, I'll throw some grace in there. One of my friends said, "You the only feller I know who can preach on Jonah and the uh, Jonah and in the belly of that well and find some hope and mercy, Lord, have mercy." You just a glory preacher. You can't even preach on the judgment of God without finding some grace. I said, "I'm in good company." Noah did too. You say, brother Joe, where do you see any grace and mercy and Jonah in the belly of that what? Do you realize when Jonah, they chunked him overboard, he'd have drowned in that sea. He'd have never went to Nineveh. He'd have never preached that revival. But God prepared a great fish that swallowed him up. And what we look like his judgment was God's vehicle of salvation. Go to the Lord Jesus, what the world said we'll kill him with and we'll silence him with. An old bloody cross on a Roman hillside. Bless God, it's brought millions to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the darkest day of humanity, in the book of Genesis, in the Andaluvian world, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I got a verse of scripture, Romans 5.20, where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. I'm glad, hallelujah, whoop, the grace of God, the light of it still shines. You say you just preached for 35 minutes on how dark and bad the apostate scene is. Our precious Lord from going outside walking inside to standing outside. Well, I'm going to end on a positive note. He's not just standing on the outside. That's bad. But what is he doing? I know I ain't the sharpest rock in the box. But if (laughs) somebody's... Miss Roy, you did not have to enjoy that point as, as much as you did just then when I said I'm not the smartest rock in the box. Have you seen some of your kin people? But anyway, here we go. I ain't the smartest rock in the box. But Brother Gus, I believe I got this figured out. If I hear somebody knocking, they won't buy attention. I just got to believe if you come and knock on my door, you want to see me. You knock on my door, that means you want to come inside. I know he's standing outside. I know he's not walking in the midst. But Nick, at least he's knocking on the door. At least he's wanting our attention. At least he wants to see us. And he wants to come inside. And he's, read the text. He's not only just standing outside, he's knocking outside. But he's speaking outside. And he's laying down a remedy. If he demand, hear my voice. If he demand, hear my voice. If he demand, hear my voice. voice. And open the door. I will come in. The church can have him back. The church can have him back. And that's what happens when revival comes. The church gets hungry. And the church gets thirsty. My God, somebody help me right here. And the church repents. And the church seeks God. And the church pants after God. And God said, I'm knocking. And if somebody uh, will open the door, I'll come back in. Woo! And I'll sup with him and he with me. There is the possibility... Hallelujah of revival. Now, we're going to go home right here. I've heard preachers say this so much, and especially Baptist. Well, don't expect much. We can't expect much. I want to say with them preaching, you're right about that. But anyway, don't expect much. Because we're in the last days. And the Bible don't teach no worldwide revival. So we're just gonna have to let her go, let America go to hell, let our families go to hell, let the church stay dormant. You know, we can't expect much in these last days. I don't know what book they read that of, but they didn't read it that, that book right there. Because that book right there I just read said he's still knocking. He's still speaking. Mm. Anybody want to? Can anybody breathe better than I can if you can? I might need a designated runner tonight. You ready? No, I'm just kidding, son. Hey! He's still standing, he's still knocking, he's still speaking, and he'll come back on the inside. If any man hears his voice and opens the door, by the way. I, I'm not an enemy to any church in this area. I'm friends with most of the pastors in this area. You'll never hear me talk bad about anybody in our area. Because I'm doing something. We got more fish to fry over here than we have room for. And I'm here to tell you. I don't care where revival starts. I don't care who gets it started. Who invites them in first. I just want us to get in on it. But listen to me, listen to me, and we're going home on this point. If every church in the state of Georgia throws out their Bible, denies the Lord Jesus Christ, grieves the Holy Ghost, and turns their tail and runs, we don't have to throw it out. We don't have to turn our back. We don't have to give it up. God will come into us and move upon us and bless among us. Mm. I know it's dark. I know it's apostate. I know these are the last days. I know that. He's still knocking. He's still speaking. And he'll still come in. And take up his abode. And the wind and the breath and the fire. Can fall again. I believe that's a picture of the church age. I believe that's how it started and I believe that's where we are right now. On the threshold of the door opening up and that voice saying. And I can't hardly wait to the next couple of weeks to show you what John saw when he got up there. It's going to be worth it all, children. It's going to be worth it all. Let's stand together tonight. Lord, we love you tonight. Lord, we confess our incapabilities. We confess our faults, our failures, and our sins. And, oh, God, help us not to take it for granted. Help us not to be cold and indifferent. God, may we preach the truth and stand for you and be true, be faithful. Be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. A soul, winning station, a lighthouse a Holy Ghost function revival place where our nation can have a place and our young people and the next generation can find a moral compass and an anchor that will hold them in these days and these hours in which we live. We give you glory for who you are. Thank you, Lord. You're still knocking. You're still speaking. You're still standing. And God, I'm glad that somebody tonight can hear you I'm glad your voice can still be heard. Among the clamor of the apostates, I'm glad your voice can be heard. Among the devastating sounds of sin, I'm glad your voice can still be heard. Among the clamoring swords of the enemies of God, I'm glad your voice can still be heard. And God, the proposition still stands if we'll open the door. God, make somebody open the door on their family tonight. Somebody open the door on their neighborhood tonight. Somebody open the door on their life tonight. You'll come in. You'll do it again. Thank you for the goodness of the Lord. The Word of God, the promises. We'll give you praise tonight in Jesus' name. Boy, I want to sing a little bit of that tonight. Maybe you just want to open the door Crack it open a little bit. Say, Lord, move upon me. Breathe upon me. My family, my church, our nation, my children, my children's children, the next generation. Only God can help us now. But I'm glad He's able to do exceeding and abundant of all that we ask or think. All to get the fire back, the wind back. I would love to just see God's people smile one more time. What a blessing that would be. To get their song back, their joy. The devil is working on all of us with everything that he's got, trying to beat us down because he knows his time is short. Ladies and gentlemen, one of these days we're going to say goodbye to that low-down rascal. And we're going to a country where he'll never be able to invade. Amen. Let's sing that chorus.